Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. I'm Jennifer. I am Kate. <laughs> All right. So this is what I was going to start saying when you just as you were about ready to record, which then made me laugh. I did a Snapchat filter, the one that makes you look old. And you know who I look like? Yeah. Bob Goff. I love Bob Goff. I totally Goff. look like Bob Goff. It's but much shorter and chubbier. <laughs> <laughs> I Bob Goff, you already up. have made our podcast today. So you know you're a beloved uh, author. And that's how you know it's going to be a good podcast. We already <laughs> talked about <laughs> Bob Goff. You know who I look like when I'm old? Bob Goff. <laughs> I know, but here's the best part. I send it to Lisa. Have you done any of the Snapchat filters where like you can look different? Y'all, I'm not hip. You should. I, well, I, the problem is neither am I because I will. Some people get stuck down like the social media hole, the video hole. I get Snapchat, Snapchat filter, filter hole. hole. That's really? hard to say. That is a lot. Snapchat. Filter I was just telling Kyla, we should have a Snapchat filter for our Christmas by the Lake outreach. Oh, oh totally. Can we do that? You can. Yeah, it's very you can easy. Them. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And you can do it for a location too. So when right. They get so near we could us. just do to the dock. Should we have it where they all the look dock. like people look like me? They grow like facial no. hair and no. No, it'll have to be like reindeer ears. Oh, like, I like that. Chris is like at the dock or elf ears. Elf ears. Yeah. I like that. So uh, I, I literally, I get stuck in the hole because I think they're so amazing. Like I, when I was younger, cool. I dreamed of technology like that. Yeah. And now we have it. And so I can spend 20 minutes just stuck on different Snapchat filters and it's just a blast. And then I go around and I show other people what they look like as they're old and it's hilarious. <laughs> I did uh, uh, my friend Brett Shoneman. It's the small things, man. Huh? Yeah. It's the small thing. It is the small thing. Well, I'm also an Enneagram 7, so I'm easily entertained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I showed Brett and Scott. So Brett Shoneman and Scott Lester, who go to our church. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. They don't listen. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. All the other 12 <laughs> listeners who enjoy the podcast will enjoy this. Uh, so I show Brett, and Brett goes, I don't want to see it. I'm going to look like my dad. And I show it to him, and he goes, Darn it, I look just like my dad. That's funny. <laughs> That's cool. Though. And Scott looks the same too. It was it was a funny moment. How's uh how's Rudy doing? Good. Good. It's a we, long get, week. we get to Thursdays, man, and it's tiring. Thursdays are a and long th- week. And Thursdays are long. Yeah. So it's like you get to a, the end of the week and it's a long day. I think that's also might what make the podcast probably more fun as we're all yeah, a little we're slap kind of happy loopy. and tired and loopy. Yeah, silly. Uh, yeah, we had our costume party last night at uh, ZK. You had 190. So, 190. 190. That's, That's my new record. With kids and, and... Kids and leaders, yes. And sir. I got Just to dress up as the lion. Just yeah. a praise to the And Lord. you didn't even like, check wow. in, so at least 191 then. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I was checked out. Yeah, he totally checked out. He well, like, so Troy Tisdall brought... I, over the lion costume, and I wear the lion costume. The mascot, the which mascot. I think is cool. I, I've asked to wear it, and I'm told well, it's really smelly. It's not so. smelly. It oh, is good. hot. Yeah. I literally, at one point, I was like, <sighs> I was like breathing hard. Yeah. I couldn't, I was so hot in there. I'm way too claustrophobic. Well, and Zeke Kids is just a warm environment anyway, because you always have bodies like. It smells like a fifth grade boy. <laughs> <laughs> I say lovingly. Well, but it's a okay, but this smell. is the, okay, this is the difference between fifth grade, and then when you get to sixth and seventh yeah. grade. You still get that 
fifth grade boy smell, but now with Axe body spray lingering around all in through the room. I know. I know. So, oh, all right. And Z so, Youth had about 175. Yeah, which is probably going to be a record for them as well. Pretty yeah, close. It's pretty think? close. Yeah. It was all, and on top of that, and he's in the room with us. So we have our worship candidate, Blake Prater. Say hi, Blake. Hi guys. Oh, yeah, we can hear we would, it. We would cue the uh, clapping audio sound snippets. Yeah, I know that we're that. I cool, need a soundboard, so. guys. There is a soundboard. We That's can the side buttons that, those pads. We need to start assigning some things. We do. We do assign I need things. a fart noise. I need claps. I need a Bob Goff. <laughs> <laughs> Where I just like hit that You just hit it. You yeah. just hit it. So uh, we were talking. I think we should I, skip the fart noise. I don't. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's, she is kids ministry. Toilet humor. Toilet humor. You do like your toilet. All right. Now I know you didn't do a, I know you didn't do a costume contest, but what was okay. your favorite costume? Okay. Personally? There were some wonderful costumes. I saw a Starbucks <clears throat> barista and our kids coordinator, Caleb. Uh, Pratt, not to be confused with Prater, was or a Chris <laughs> yeah, or Chris Pratt. Uh, definitely different people. He was a pumpkin spice latte, and so to see them together was really fun. The best part was Caleb before the day was like, "I'm everyone's favorite accessory." Yeah, and, <laughs> that and, was his description. And then, well, did you hear how he qualified it later? No, I, I didn't. said first of all, I don't even drink coffee, much less pumpkin spice latte. And he yeah. goes. Well, I'm every favorite white girl's. Yeah, basic white girl's favorite accessory. <laughs> you didn't qualify that before. I was like, wow. My wife does love. I totally do, too. I'm so she basic. loves pumpkin I spice. I think you shouldn't yuck someone's yum to call someone basic. I think is rude. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, there are a whole bunch of people I know who would have just said, what did you say? Okay. <laughs> I know. I have a lot of, like, Kate-isms. And one of these Kate-isms that I say is, don't yuck a yum. If somebody says yum, I love that. Or they express an affection towards something, an object, whatever it is, music. And they go, yay, I like that. For you to say something negative in response to say yuck is rude it's unkind it's not a loving thing be like oh wow okay i don't like that but i do like yeah. this and you can build up instead of tear down so i say don't yuck a yum and then you said something about basic like literally half the words you said i kind of figured out what you were i felt like i was in a foreign land yeah. figuring out new if, language like to call someone like a basic white girl means that they <laughs> the things they like are too mainstream and you're only liking it because that's like a stereotype says the one who's not hip yeah. I, yeah. I am. You're, you are hip. I am hip. You are hip. All right. So okay. let's talk about Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we ended, we had a big Sunday. Again, we pre-record for those listening. Yeah. Uh, we had sermon read through this morning and uh, we have a lot. We have confirmation, which for non-Lutheran people, if you weren't raised Lutheran, confirmation is uh, when somebody reaches 13, 14, somewhere around there. What's, what's the actual age? I think they are. It's we do it like 11. Freshmen. You start, they go by grade. But they more. start they when? Yes, grade. They so start 11, 6, 12. So and then essentially what it is, if you're not familiar with confirmation, it's making sure that, that kids understand the nature of their faith. They understand what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be Lutheran? Because mm -hmm. there are some Lutheran distinctives. And then we celebrate their freshman year, which depending on who might, like my daughter's 15 and a freshman because mm -hmm. she was kept her back a year. Um. And we have a lot of kids being confirmed. So both services, I think we have almost 30 kids. I, yeah, I think it's 29 exactly. It's like 14 the second service and 15, 15. the first service. And so because of that service, it's a, a little bit different service, but we ended our Rock of Ages series. Woo! 
and uh, and going through the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so this was a little bit different one because this last part technically belongs to the previous weeks, which was all about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the last part of the statement of faith, the Apostles' Creed says, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which again, Catholic just means the uh, United, the Universal Church of uh, belonging to Christ. So the church is capitalized, not Catholic. Uh, we believe in the communion of saints, which is the fellowship and unity. So the previous week we talked about the real evidence of the Holy Spirit or the how the church lives and looks different in the world. Um, and that we went through Acts 2, 42 through 47. And then next after that, it says we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the, the body, uh, the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. And then it says, amen. Well, we only went through, we went through forgiveness of sins, life everlasting. And, um, uh, um, did I say everything? Yeah. Forgiveness of sins, resurrection, resurrection of the life everlasting. Amen. We kind of broke this down. So we took what could have been easily another two, three parts to this message and condensed it into about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. It reminded me of Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin. Itty living space. Infinite cosmic power. Yes. Itty bitty little living space. <laughs> that, <laughs> you think that was really good. Thank you. Robin Williams. I love you. Uh, I, man, that I was, know. I still miss Robin Williams. Uh, nobody cares about that, right? <laughs> so let's, let's think about it. I mean, if we connect that to the Holy Spirit, yes, Jesus died for our sins. Uh, yes, because of the resurrection, we now too will have a resurrection. But what a lot of Christians don't realize is that those two things are the continual work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. So how, yes, our sins are forgiven, but how do we become, how do we become more like Jesus? It's not actually Jesus who makes us more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit in us, which is why that's connected in there. And ultimately what gave Jesus life, Romans 8 tells us that it was the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And for years, I thought Jesus did it. Like Jesus was like, I conquered death. And he did with the help of the Holy Spirit, which is interesting because Jesus could have conquered death on his own. Yeah. He chose to submit that part of his godhood. According to Philippians 2, he became like us. I can't defeat death on my own. Therefore, Jesus can't defeat death on his own. So even in his resurrection, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. But because he's God, he could have done it. And so that's why those three things are connected, are, are those things are connected. It's not just the church and the Holy Spirit. It's not just the unity of the Holy Spirit. Even the forgiveness of sins in our lives becoming like Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. And eventually, according to Scripture, we too will have resurrected bodies. Now, we've talked about this before on the have, podcast yeah. of the difference between a resurrected body and a walking dead body. (laughs) Well, even like Lazarus. Yeah. You know, what's the difference? Was Lazarus a resurrected body? No, because he died again. He died. Like Lazarus isn't still hanging out, walking around the earth. Uh, He had, he, he was come back alive. He was brought back to life. The resurrection. and, And this is again, where I wish we had more time. Yeah. The Greek word there is kine. And the word kine implies restored back, uh, not just restored back, but made fresh. Mm. And so often the resurrected body doesn't mean we're restored to our original glory. Our original glory was fallen. We're made completely fresh in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So one day, all who are dead and alive in Christ are going to be given resurrected bodies. This is where part of what we call the rapture theology comes from some one belief system in Christianity. And again, not anywhere in the Apostles' Creed, which is why we can disagree on it, believes that uh, when Christ returns, he's going to call the living and the dead and they're going to meet him in the sky. 
And then we're going to come back down with Christ and we'll have resurrected bodies. We'll rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years as one view. There are differing views on that. But this idea of a resurrected body is we first see with Jesus. Jesus is the only one who was ever resurrected. We had people brought back from the dead. Uh, Jairus' daughter was brought mm-hmm. back from the dead. Um, the widow's son. The widow's son. Even even in the Old Testament, you have examples mm-hmm. of God raising people from the dead. Yeah. You Being get thrown this, on the bones of Elijah. <laughs> well, and that's a vision of the yeah. bones being brought back to life. With, and mm-hmm. again, that's speaking of the work of the spirit and breathing life. And when you think about Jesus, this is the cool part that we see. And I don't, I don't understand it. And I think this is the mystery of Christ. The disciples are walking down the road of Emmaus and Jesus comes next to them and they don't recognize him. Yeah. And, and I've heard some say the reason why they didn't recognize him is that in, in their mind, Jesus was dead. So obviously that can't be Jesus. He may look like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. But there's a part of them that, and that doesn't say, oh, this guy looks like Jesus. They couldn't mm-hmm. see who he was. And that that raises a question. Okay, so here's the first question for this morning. Again, it's all speculation because we don't know. In our resurrection, what do you how do you think we're going to recognize each other? If we didn't recognize Jesus, if when we when heaven and earth come together, when we're together as one, am I going to recognize Jennifer because of what she looks like here, or is there an entirely different way of understanding a person. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's totally. a, such a big question. I, I totally, I love thinking about this kind of stuff. And I came from a very, um, I don't know how to say this, like kind of hippie background where it's like hippy dippy. It's fine. And I'm really grateful for a lot of those experiences. But anyway, I think of like that, that idea of like a kindred spirit, which is not really something we say in a Christian culture of, but you can just kind of recognize like-mindedness in people, you know, or like we even think of like that kind of Christianese of soul ties where there's this, just this connection that you have that is beyond the physical. I think we have that in Christianity and to be able to recognize somebody's spirit or recognize the Holy Spirit in someone else. I think there is a part of mm. us that will be able to recognize, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll know that's Jennifer. I'll know that's John Hopple. I'll know that's Gabe Garner. Yeah. Like, I'll know. It's funny because actually the word that I was going to say to is, was the like-mindedness. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think there, I think it is, I think what will be recognized is the spirit in us. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and if we talk about resu- resurrection, it's not just the physical that will be resurrected. It is the emotional and the mental yeah. and that that wholeness. And so I think I think we will go, whoa, I see a re- resemblance of Kate. I see parts of her that are similar, but now I see it to completion. Yeah. Amen. That's well, and, really cool. and so there's uh, and some of some ancient Christian thinkers. So one of the questions that was asked is, and, and there, there is some who taught this because, again, we're, we're all a bunch of humans with finite minds trying to grasp the infinite and yeah. the everlasting. And I literally was when you were like, let's speculate. And I was like, speculation is the worst. <laughs> well, that's exactly, but that's all we can do. Yeah, like yeah, even the right, ones right. who say they've gone to heaven, it's not what the eternal life of what we see because eventually heaven and earth are going to come together. It's um, so one of the questions that was posed is, so what will we look like? What will our bodies be? And some have said, well, Jesus was around 33 and a half. So that means we're all going to be resurrected to 33 year old bodies. That's the ideal. I, I don't know if that, I mean, maybe it is, but right, I can tell you at 33, I wasn't at the best shape of my life. The best shape of my life, even was in high school. It was when I was 42. Mm. That was the best shape of my life. I was 42, 43 years old. We're physically conditioning. So it can't be that. Mm. 
And, and, and I think that's honestly a, it's really shallow to well, be like, well, what would you look like? And you're actually like, getting to where I who think cares? here's where, here's what I actually think. And I don't know again, but here's what I think happens right now. We only see through broken eyes and broken humanity, Amen. which means that when I look at Kate, I immediately, regardless of whether or not to, I make judgments because I'm a sinfully broken person. Mm -hmm. That's just how human brains. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I, my immediate assessment is to judge looks, uh, physical health, That's hair, nice. clothing, uh, how someone appears. And imagine if we don't have that anymore. And that's really where this whole message was going. It was a kingdom imagination. Can you imagine? What happens when <laughs> I no longer have sinful eyes to judge people? I'll see them for who they really are. And I wonder if the reason why they couldn't recognize Jesus is they still had broken eyes. What yeah. they did know was that their hearts burned within them. Yeah. They knew that there's something there happening. Was some, there was that kindred spirit. There was the when he was Holy talking spirit, about you know, the scriptures well, the being spirit. fulfilled. Yes. And, and, like and, and they and said like, they felt their hearts time. burning, which... Um, yeah. Mormons use that text to say, well, the reason you know Mormonism is true is because you'll feel burning in your bosom. And it's a total misuse of the text. But the reason why they do it is, is that's what happens is they had an encounter with Jesus, didn't know it was Jesus. The way they knew was they, they felt something in their chest, in their heart, which uh, in ancient, ancient Roman world, your heart wasn't your emotions. It was the seat of decision making. Mm -hmm. Everything flowed from the heart. Uh, and Jews had a very similar, but it was a little bit different. Now, Imagine for a moment, and I'm going to use that language of imagination because that's really what Sunday was about, mm -hmm. is this whole point of it's pointing us to a world which we can't fully fathom. Yeah. And even if I were to open up Revelation and go through the description of when heaven and earth come together, there was a song by, do you guys remember, well, you weren't raised in the church, but do you, did you ever hear the song Thank You by Ray Bolts? Very popular song in the that. 80s and 90s. He wrote a song called Watch the Lamb or uh, Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. Then he wrote Watch Watch the Lamb. And, and there were beautiful songs in the 80s and 90s. Now we listen and go, that's super cheesy. But in the 80s and 90s, every youth pastor across There's America like sang these songs. Going, like, well, yeah, one of them. Yeah. Well, actually, it was actually against that. It was saying, yeah, don't okay. pledge allegiance well, to the too, flag, too pledge Jesus. allegiance to the Whoa, lamb. Whoa, fake out there, but, Ray. Did, <laughs> yeah. Ray was ahead of his time. Well done. He, uh, <laughs> but the song, it's called Thank You, and it's all about... You go to heaven and you meet the people you impacted and you had no idea. Now, again, you can go on, play on the emotional ties. And, oh, my God. And you're listening to this. And again, my youth pastor sang this song every year <laughs> when I was in high school. And everyone's like, oh, I love this song. Super cheesy. But they would immediately go. And I walked upon the streets of gold, mm. upon the crystal sea. And it quotes from Revelation. And here's where I think this is where, again, depending on how you read Revelation, is the point to say, that the kingdom of God is this literal new Jerusalem that sticks out and stands a mile high and a mile and, you know, a thousand miles across and looks like a giant zit sticking off the earth. That's the picture. Gross. Uh, but that's really, okay. I want you to think about this. If you read the physical description, it literally is this giant block that's sticking off the face of the earth. I mean, it, it feels weird. It feels not natural. And some will say, well, so that's literally what it's going to look like or... Just like in this imagination of how do we picture new creation? Yeah. What is it really trying to convey? It's trying Amen. to convey a kingdom so big we can't fathom it. It's trying to convey when it says streets of gold, gold is one of our most precious metal. And in God's kingdom, it's so common that it's it's like pavement. Right. Mm -hmm. No one's like, oh, did you see that pavement? No one's like, who did not? The gold, the streets are made of gold. Not because look at how rich heaven is. It's that it's gold. Who cares? That's the stuff you walk on. 
Right. And to say when it says the crystal sea and it talks about the sea being like that, the goal of that, what if it's not an actual description, but what if it's trying to evoke our imagination? The sea was a wild place. And that's the picture of heaven is that chaos is finally subdued. Yeah. In their world, the sea which for them it would have been the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't the ocean like we picture. Mm-hmm. The Sea of Galilee gets some wicked wind through it. Ships get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Lives are lost. Most people didn't swim. Swimming wasn't a thing in the ancient world. So the sea was the place where monsters dwelled. And here, it's flat as glass. Yeah. And the the whole ending, the last four chapters of Revelation are, I think... And I could be wrong. Maybe I'm going to get there and we're going to find out it's literally this giant cube sticking off the face of the earth where God's God's kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, comes and unites with earth's kingdom. And, and the garden is finally existing. And at the center of this giant cube is the tree. And all the rivers lead to it like we saw in Genesis. And there's Jesus and seraphims and all those things. Or maybe it's trying to evoke a, a new way of seeing things. And if that's the case, and here's the question I want to ask another question. It goes similar to the last one I just asked. What What's going to make heaven heaven? And in this mm. message, I said, what makes heaven heaven is Jesus is there. But that's going to, and this is going to sound really sacrilegious, and I don't mean it to be. But if the only thing I'm going to do for eternity is sing worship songs, that's going to get old really fast. <laughs> like... I mean, think about all the people right now who are like, I, I think of some of the people at our church who don't like the music. They're going to be like, this, this is heaven. <laughs> or, or it's perfected and they'll go, this, this is heaven. But is that really, but again, again, is that I, the, I, I, get, I get the intention yeah, of what you're so, saying. So but. let me ask the bigger question. What makes heaven heaven? Okay. So we did a salvation uh, object lesson last night. Um, cause we have a lot of kids that don't normally go to church that came to our costume party. And we talked about that beautiful, perfect communion that God had in the very beginning with himself always was, always will be. And when you have such great love, that love needs to be shared, created humans. Right. And in the garden, we were in perfect communion with God then. And if you think about like just how perfect and beautiful and wonderful that was, to be able to be in between the gardens now and understand separation is heartbreaking. Yeah. We do understand that separation. We might not to the fullest extent, but I have this God-shaped hole that I'm trying to fill with all things, right? Culturally, that's what we're talking about in this series. That's what this whole series is about. Yeah. I got this God-shaped hole and imagine if there was no religion, right? And I, I'm trying to fill it in with something else. Now, heaven, what makes heaven heaven for me, what I'm looking forward to is that perfect communion of seeing and recognizing God, the Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus in perfect communion with themselves again. And me getting to be a part of that and walk mm-hmm. right along in that perfect communion with God yeah. in all parts. I don't even care what it looks like. I don't mm-hmm. even care if, you know, like, I don't even care. I just, I get to be in perfect presence in communion with God. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you guys ever seen the show, The Orville? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a sci-fi show. Uh, it was written and directed by the guy who wrote Family Guy of all things. Oh, weird. Seth MacFarlane. And it's set on, he was a huge Star Trek fan. Mm. So he, it's like Star Trek, but now it's got a little bit of a com- comedic edge to it. And in it, they paint a picture in which um, there's no monetary system. Mm. 
Yeah. There's no religions. God doesn't exist anymore. They actually say that. Like, no, we we know we don't need a God anymore. That was an antiquated way of viewing the world. And now mm-hmm. humanity is the ultimate. And they have to go out and just like in regular Star Trek, I'm geeking out a little bit here. <laughs> Their goal was to go out and explore space and find new planets, but they weren't allowed to interfere with planets that hadn't reached a certain level of technology, which is the same thing as Star Trek. Okay. But if you watch the show, their picture of heaven, their picture of utopia is still very human mm-hmm. and still very broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, when I think about what makes heaven, heaven is everything restored to how it was supposed to be or how it was. That's created. that kind of, yeah, yeah. It's just, the, yeah, it's just the, I mean, I think so I have so many conversations with people and it's like, we grieve because it's not the way that it should be. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, that's what I think. Like, and I can't. I mean, honestly, I think that goes back to your broken eyes. Like, I can't, I can't fully fathom what it looks like to be the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, my my, you know, because our our view and our perspectives and and all of our experiences are so tainted by sin and yeah. fallenness and yeah. brokenness that it's hard to imagine that. But to me, that like to me, that's what heaven is. Well, and even if you if we want to talk in ways that we can comprehend comprehensively not comprehend we can't fathom the universe yeah and isn't so macro kind of wonderful that's what and that's, here's the whole point about that if yes. i could fathom that if i could understand all the workings of the entire universe if i could understand what heaven would really be like then i'm god and and, <laughs> and, and that's you know, exactly like, and that's no, what i think when i when i talk to my more scientific or philosophical minded brothers and sisters a lot of times what they have a hard time wrapping their head around is they want to be able to explain God or comprehend mm-hmm. God. And that's the problem is the minute you can explain God or comprehend God, he's no longer he's God. No you longer. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the universe becomes helpful. We've, or even, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was going to say even vice versa of like maybe not scientifically minded or but taking scripture very literally like a textbook. Well, and, and that's the danger on on those on both sides, mm-hmm. because now what you have is you have a chasm that feels like people can't cross. Yes. For years, I was taught science and Christianity don't mix. Yes. Because science is over here. Christianity is over here. And what what a lot of people don't realize, it's funny that Blake's here. Blake loves philosophy. and But it used to be that if you were a scientific, if you were a scientist, scientist, I added an S on there, didn't need to. If you were a scientist, it was expected that you were philosophical at the same time. Philosophy and science always went hand in hand. In the modern era, we got rid of philosophy. And the reason why you needed philosophy was philosophy bridged the chasm between science and religion. And when we got rid of that, now all of a sudden what we have is we have people who we can't fathom heaven because the only thing that we have a perspective on is humanity. And this is where guys like Rob Bell, regardless of where you stand on him, one of the things that I appreciated that he taught was we get glimpses of heaven and hell here and now. Amen. Mm -hmm. When we bring the best into the world, we are pointing to the kingdom of God because the way the description that Jesus uses to describe heaven is he uses earthly illustrations. He became flesh. We're not going to lose our humanity. We're going to gain our real humanity. Mm -hmm. And he uses the illustration of fire purging. Well, fire, the only thing that remains when fire comes through is that which is precious and pure. And and that doesn't, it's going to burn away woods, wood, stubble, hay, all those things. Well, now we're going to spend eternity. And actually, we don't get to spend eternity because eternity, again, means always existing. We get to spend an everlasting life. Life everlasting. We get to spend the rest of our 
everlasting life, which has no time concept. Because again, now that it's forever, we don't, we're not governed by time. We're going to be governed by something else. Everything we do now is unhindered. I can't fathom that. So when I get glimpses of it, so when when we see the best in humanity come out, when we see truth come out in Acts chapter 17, when Paul quotes and he says, listen, even your own poets that say we are his offspring and him we live and move and have our being. Even our own, your own poets, they have a glimpse of heaven, but they still can't comprehend it. And that's where when I think about what heaven is, where I go and I love everything that you guys just said, because I think that's the beauty of it is instead of, it's not about just being with God, it's being with God. We now get to work without effort. We get to explore with God. God is infinite. And now the things that we do here, the reason why they matter is because those things that are of the Lord, the things that are of love, that are of truth, that are of the things that are of God, those things are going to remain in heaven, but without any hindrance. Yeah. And, and I wonder, you know, we did John Lennon's song, Imagine. And Lennon wasn't wrong. There won't be any religion in heaven because religion, in Latin, the word is religare, which means to reconnect. Hmm. The whole point of religion is trying to reconnect something that was lost. That's what all religion is, is we lost our connection with God. We've got to rebuild. And Christianity is Jesus came to rebuild that, right? I tore my, my ACL 12, 13 years ago. I had to have surgeons come in and reattach the things. We don't need reattachment because we're already attached. So there won't be religion in heaven because we don't need to reconnect with God. We're now fully with him. All the things that John Lennon pointed to in that song, he just didn't understand the reason why they exist is because of Jesus. That Jesus is like, okay, so let me ask another question, okay? So when we think about, and we talked about this in Sermon Read Through, which is how do we how do we make this applicable here and now? Everything else we've done in the creed is about bringing application, right? If the fa- if we believe in a father, an almighty father, God, the father who is maker of heaven and earth, and it's all out of love because God is love, then that means if I believe in a, that the father is loving, I should be lo- like my father. I should love like the father does. If I believe that Jesus became flesh and entered into suffering and instead of running from pain, ran to it because he loved us that much. It means that I should be willing to enter into heartache and pain for the sake of others, because that's what love does. If the Holy Spirit, if, yeah, thank you, Bob. <laughs> if I believe in the Holy Spirit and that the real evidence of the Holy Spirit is not tongues, it's not healing. Those are the things that point to the reality of God, but that's not the evidence of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is a church united, a church, it's generosity, it's worship, that's the the primary evidence that we see throughout the New Testament. What's the application for this? I have thoughts. Okay. Go, girl, I'll go. go first. Yeah. Okay. I'll go second. <clears throat> when we think about heaven and we think about the goodness that will be there and the beauty that will be there and the wholeness that will be there, it should instill in us a hope. it's been a while, but I read this book that was all talking about um, how we were created to want beautiful things. And, but because of our brokenness and because of our sin, we, we can't always see them, but we long for that. There's this, just like there's a God shaped hole. There's a longing for beautiful and good. And for me, the application is 
God loved us so much that he created us with a longing for for good for yeah, the way it's that, that Ecclesiastes that longing for eternity yeah for the way hearts. that he yeah, yeah the, it plays eternity on our hearts but that he I mean but there's also a longing for as it should be yeah. there's a longing for perfection and restoration <laughs> redemption there's that longing that the whole human experience Christian are not wants that at the core of their being and so for me the application is it's really just about knowing God the Father even more in that and and wanting to um ref, you know give him glory in that and accept his accept his the way that he created us and the way that he loves us I think if we look at it from the lens of well heaven sounds great why don't I just jump off a cliff why why am I still here yeah. you know or you know what's the point of forgiveness in this life if heaven's not real right so what's that in between What's that in between and why do I have hope for something that I'm not ready for yet? And how can we build that here and now the best to our ability? Yeah. To, to I mean, that's earlier. the answer. That's why, the answer. That's the answer of what's the in between for something that I want so badly. Mm-hmm. You know, disappointment is a blessing because you feel that feeling of it's not supposed to be like this. No, baby girl, it's not. Yeah. Laura's <laughs> story. Uh, what's the song? Um, blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one the blessing in the raindrops, blessing in the tears. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and I think this is the hard part is that because this whole part is about a future, but what gives us hope here and now? And, and this is where that whole resurrection, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the dead is that one, we're going to have an embodied heaven. So what we do actually here matters. Amen. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And therefore, if that's the case, that means whatever is broken will be destroyed and thrown to the lake of fire. But the things that are good will remain. And our job is to bring what's good. You know, and how heartbreaking, like, I think humans are just so naturally selfish anyway. So think about how much you've suffered. I think anybody can think of the time they've suffered and then extend your compassion and empathy out and think of those who are still suffering. And it's this idea of like, Jesus broke me free. And I'm taking every captive with me. Well, you know? and this is also, I think, part of our American, the way we think in America is that suffering is a bad thing. And yet the, right. the picture the Bible paints is that suffering produces something. The if righteous G- will suffer. And one, yeah, if Jesus did not suffering, there'd be no forgiveness of sin and Amen. there'd be no resurrection of the dead. And, and if you want to talk, okay, so we could take it to... And this is where guys like Jim Carrey, you know, I quoted from Jim, from Jim Carrey a couple of weeks ago. And apparently someone said the only thing they took away from the message was Jim Carrey, Coldplay. And Hitler. And Hitler. <laughs> I warned against the Jim Carrey comment, okay? Um, but, and I'm like, you might have missed the point there. And I think they were saying <laughs> yeah, it tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. But, but Jim Carrey, and this is what culture wants to do with Jesus. People love the idea of Jesus because it speaks to a longing for mm-hmm. us to make beautiful things. And Jesus came to create beautiful things. The problem becomes this, is that if Jesus's death was just metaphorical, like if he didn't actually die for us, then who cares? Like yeah. it's no different than an Aesop fable. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, who cares? And mm-hmm. part of what for me, and and this, I, I remember when the shift happened in me, it was probably early 2000s, 2004, 2005. And I realized that the a theology that I was taught growing up was this world's going to burn and I can't wait to get out of here. Mm. 
That was the theology being raised in a Baptistic type church. Not saying my fire church taught insurance. it. It was fire insurance, but also, and there's even songs, I'll fly away. The whole goal is about escaping as if the goal of Christianity is to escape the world. Mm. And yet the picture of God from Genesis to Revelation is not a God who escapes the world, but a God who comes in and changes the world. And, and I wonder. And not just changes, makes new. That's, that's exactly right. Is what if the whole point of the reason why the Apostles' Creed ends here is that, one, we can't actually be in the presence of God if we still have sin to deal with. We can't. God God and holiness don't, or holiness and sin don't mix. So we have to have forgiveness, but I can't forgive myself. I can't fix that problem. So God had to. I also cannot spend eternity with God in a physical body that's broken by sin. I need a resurrected body. But then there's that everlasting life. What are we doing that's, what are we creating that's everlasting? What are we creating that will be timeless? Mm. And most of the things, and this is, I, I don't mean to sound unpatriotic. America is not timeless. No, that's right. Our government system is not timeless. No. This building is not timeless. Zion Church, one point in history, will cease to exist unless the Lord comes back before it does. Even the churches in the ancient world, none of them are around anymore. Like the seven letters to the seven churches, even the healthiest of churches doesn't exist anymore. But what is timeless? What are the things that, what are we doing that are creating that are a reflection, looking in a mirror darkly, dimly, what are the things that are we creating that will point to and give people that hope of why we do it? And this is where we, I quoted from Nietzsche, and I got that from one of the books I was reading, um, this book Rooted, phenomenal book, on, and it's all about the Apostles' Creed. So I didn't, I didn't find that quote on my own. Nietzsche, who was an, a nihilist at best and, and got a lot of things wrong, uh, he basically what he said is if you, if you know your why, you can sustain any how. And we get so caught up in how we do things, we forget the why we do mm -hmm. things. Or even how we feel in this, like the yes. suffering, the how of what's yes. the circumstance around me. And you get so bogged down in that, so overwhelmed and in your pit, right? Well, okay. So I'm going to, I think about um, our brother, Mark Schumacher, mm, who just yeah. went to, he went to be home with the Lord. And I remember I, I sat with Mark that's yeah, probably a year ago. So he was given five years to live seven years ago. He had a year and a half during COVID where no one was allowed. His wife and children were not allowed in the building. Everything That's was crazy. over Zoom. And I did a Zoom call with him during COVID, during our first shutdown. And we were talking and, and <laughs> here's the thing. He had so much hope. Here he is incredibly alone. Even the staff weren't allowed in the room. Like if they came in, they were full gowned up. Everything was so impersonal. And yet when you talk to him, he was laughing and he, he suffered from a, it's like an ALS type disease. His, his body withered away and it was so hard. It was painful to watch. Mm -hmm. And yet he had this hope. The how of this life never got in the way of his why. Right. It's like, why are you so different? And, and you think about, okay, what's the biggest thing that you hear from people? Their biggest obstacle to faith is well, why does God allow suffering? Really, I think what they're wrestling is, is how could God allow suffering? Yes. Because those are different questions. Yeah. The why is, is, and I believe God allows suffering. The why allows it because it does something in us. It When we allow it to, it transforms us. It, it works in us. Because, and I'll use even working out. Like if I want to get fit, I can't just lay on the couch. If I want to change, there's activity that has to happen. Suffering produces, according to Romans, according to James, and in our American culture, we've made our dream, 
the theology of America, the mm. dream, the, the, the American dream, that's what they call it, yeah. is one of ease. There's no hurt. It's a, it's a, it's a really tainted and gross picture of heaven. Mm. It's the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> and I don't think our, I don't think heaven is about the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of Jesus, which then in turn makes us happy. But Jesus becomes our pursuit. And if Jesus is our pursuit going all the way back to the second part of the creed, Jesus suffered. Yeah. And that's the beauty of heaven is, you know, we're going to get into heaven. And then one day, and then heaven ultimately is going to come to earth. So yeah. like even my brother, Mark, he's going to get a glorified body. The goal is not for him to be spirit. That's actually not a completed view of heaven. There's, an, there's always meant to be a bodily part to our faith. We're an embodied faith. If that makes sense. Okay, final question, and just for the sake of time. Um, when you think about where you are in your world right now, what's something that you think or you would love to see in your own life to bring that beauty? Hmm. What is something that you feel like God is maybe working in you where you're like, this is this is what I like I can tell you, and I'll start, maybe this will make it I'll start why why I'm here's why I believe God made me, why I'm here. I'm more and more realizing that I want people to realize that Jesus is perfect. I'm not. Mm. And there is a beauty. And then when I get to heaven, I will be perfected, but I won't be perfect. Mm -hmm. I will be perfected, meaning there'll be no more sin, but I won't be God there. And that's, that's the beauty. I want to be truly perfect means that I have all knowledge. I'll be perfected. I want people to realize, and this is where I'm more and more realizing that this is part of my calling and what I feel like why I'm here, what I want people to realize. There is beauty in acknowledging our brokenness. And I think that when we do that, that gives, paints people that this is broken, that won't be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like, Kate, I think about what your role in kids. I think about Jennifer, your passion for missional communities. And maybe those aren't the things you're going to talk about. But if you think about what are the things that you, God maybe have laid on your heart they're about painting a picture of what is to come uh, in the future. What 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 would that be for you? Maybe I made no sense no, whatsoever. No, I, I do. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking. I mean, I have some things that I'm like, ah, I'm not it's sure. a big question. I'm not sure that's gonna. I feel like for thing, me, so. God has really been. Yeah, obviously, kids. Yeah, I love kids. All kids. And whether I'm at Zion or not, I'm gonna be loving kids. But for me, I feel like. God is really moving and speaking to me in these areas of presence and mm. making things better for having been a part of it. And that in between that I'm in right now, it's hard. It is really hard. It's not supposed to be this way. And what I have coming isn't yet. Mm. And so can I make this really hard time a little better for having been a part oh, of I it? I love that. And the more that I am willing to be interruptible, mm -hmm. pausing, a listener, to be kind and compassionate in return, to take myself out of it and to just hear what someone has to say and just to say, just I to hear, you. And hear you, yeah. just to see and hear others, because what a longing I have to be seen yeah. and to be heard, to be known. Can I make that a little better for having been a part of it? You know what I love about that? And I really do. That's beautiful. I love the fact if every interaction, if you went in saying, Lord, how can I make every interaction I have that they walk away feeling the world's a little bit better? Yeah. 
I think that stirs to an echo in people's heart is because that's not whatever that's what not what most encounters are. Right. And and how we do that is by being fully present. Right. That's so oh, I love hard. that. I so love that. counterintuitive. Well, and, and okay, and I think about how that my whole thing about instead of trying to be and Brene Brown talks about present over perfect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's they kind of go together. They do. I think sometimes we get so caught off guard as I'm not perfect. Yes, exactly. You're not supposed to be. God is. Right. And I had somebody in our church who said to me, Jason, I feel like I can breathe here. Mm. Like, I don't feel like I have to put on a show. I, I'm not two separate people when I'm at church and when I'm with my friends. I can be the same people with my church friends. I'm not putting on an act anymore. And that doesn't mean, I mean, sometimes that's a challenge of well, maybe you're acting too much like the world and not like Jesus. But I think usually what it is, is there's this sometimes in churches, that sense of I have to act like I have everything put together. Yeah. And it's because I don't feel like people are present with me. Right. They don't, don't, people don't want to walk through that heartache. Oh, that's, that's awesome. How about you? Actually, what I was going to say is mm-hmm, sitting with people and their suffering. Look at her like my presence. And I think here's where I talked myself out of it initially is that's not going to be a need someday. Yeah. Right. But we just are. Yeah. But it does, it does model something that will remain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is nothing that we do will ultimately be a need anymore. And so everything we do is more of a, it is looking in that mirror dimly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we can't fathom it. I can't fathom living in, etern- in, in an eternal state, an everlasting state. Even my own language, I have to get used to the language. I know, right? <laughs> I have to get used to the idea that I'm going to be able to be fully present because I'm not going to be distracted. Right. Like, I can't fathom yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a perfected presence. That's yes. that, like, perfect holy communion yeah. among each other with, with God. God. Yeah. Like, and, we can't even fathom. And I love that there is a difference between being perfect and being perfected. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like, Adam and Eve clearly weren't perfect because they made the wrong decision. Right. <laughs> That's how we know. Okay. One last, and I'm going to add, uh, this isn't a final question. This is more of a rhetorical one. I almost said rhetorical. Hard noise. Told you guys. But one of the questions that I've had somebody say, ask me is, will we be able to sin in heaven? Mm. Could there ever be another fall? And I think the answer to that is no, because the difference between Adam and Eve and us now is they didn't have a redeemer. Yeah. And there won't, and and that that opens up a whole different slew of questions about relationships and all those things. And uh, those are things we're going to have to get to heaven and say, God, I don't understand. And that's going to be cool. Uh, My last thought is this. I do think that when I get to heaven, part of what we're going to get to do is explore the vastness of creation. Yeah. And I mean, all of creation, not just in the world, but in the universe and like, just like Jesus all of a sudden appeared and he's in a room. I wonder if like all of a sudden I can appear and I'm on Mars. <laughs> like how cool would that be? Yeah. And I don't know. Or maybe like, are there, someone asked, are there dinosaurs in heaven? Well, first of all, God created all things. So, and I think the picture of heaven is we're going to have, they're going to be dogs. It may not be Aliens. my dog. Y'all, Aliens, like- I tell children, <laughs> the Lord prepared a room for me and that room will have unicorns. I just know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was uh, this was a fun conversation. It was good. I don't know how Sunday is going to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Well, so even in, we were talking about this from a read through is like because it's a very full morning. I had somebody ask me like, Jason, you know, why do why do you need 35, 40 minutes to do a message? And my response was, well, do you want it to be engaging? Yes. Do you want it to be fun? Yes. Do you like stories? Yes. Do you want it to be biblically accurate? Yes. Do you want to learn something? Yes. I can't do that well in 15 minutes unless you want to give me literally six months to prepare 15 minutes. Right. 
that's what a TED talk is. Like they don't just go, hey, I'm gonna write a TED talk. Like it's hard yeah. to condense. And that's Holy what Spirit, I, I pray you intercede. Yes, one, and here's the God's gonna do what he's gonna do. Amen. Jude is the shortest book in the Bible. If it's still God's one word, God favorites. can speak through a 15 minute message. Amen. But, and there is a but here, this is why I'm grateful for the podcast. Amen. Yeah, because for those who want to go deeper, it's an opportunity. This to, is great. And I'm grateful for you guys being here because who Me cares? Too. I, I'm just one more voice. That's what the world needs is more white male voices in the world. <laughs> I didn't say it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody cares. That's, that's I am all glad he threw about. out the white male joke after throwing out the white female joke. Yeah. So, you know what? I don't think you're basic. I won't get you. Thank you. Actually, I'd love to take credit for that. I was listening to another podcast of two guys who are like, you know what? The world needs more of a podcast with two white men giving their opinion on things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was Mike Erie and Voxology. It was oh, funny. funny. Well, hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you found this encouraging, and really, uh, we we continue to have people tell us how much they're enjoying the podcast. And shout out to Michelle who shares yes. on Facebook with yes. fun, funly, fun, lovely little anecdotes of like her thoughts. Yeah, I just saw I know that. she's listening, and we love fun. you so much. So and, it and does, she had a shout out to Michelle Community Group, sure did. saying how much she loved hers and encouraging everyone to get involved. So here's my plug: if you're not in one, we need to get you in one. Yeah. Amen. And, and again, we really the reason why we do this, even if it's if there's 15 people or 1500 people, Amen. we want to do everything we can to help encourage and coach and lead people. And part of the reason why I'm grateful for you guys being on the podcast is that again, man, there are so many different views and, and mm -hmm. allowing those different voices. And I think that's what I hear from people is that it's the different perspectives. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about the kingdom is we are Absolutely. united in the main things, but we can have differing thoughts and opinions and that's the beauty of it. Thank well, you. hey, thanks for tuning in to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Jennifer. Kate. Have an awesome day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.